next edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Glory to God. This word says, vengeance is mine. Thus says the Lord. Amen. Sometimes we don't need to fight our battle. We just, vengeance is his. Vengeance is the Lord's. Let God get him. Right? Let, let God do what needs to be done. Let's just stay out of it. Amen. Amen. Let God be God. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, glory. Some words already coming forth. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory, glory. Yes. Well. My God, they're even getting blessed on watching online. I see them. Amen. Victory is yours at home. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, I'm going to share a word with you that's a, I really wasn't even, didn't want to preach. I'm just going to tell you. I, I, I was back and forth with God all week and I said, just stop already. Because he kept bringing me to Luke, Luke 17. I thought, Lord, you know, next week's Palm Sunday, resurrection. I need to preach, you know, getting us ready. And he kept bringing me to Luke 17. And it's really a text I don't like very much. And you'll see in a moment. How, how many know there's just some scriptures you like to skim over because, you know. Come on now. I, I, I must be preaching at the wrong place today. There, there's just some scriptures I don't like very much because it's not talking about victory. Or it's not talking about overcoming or, or any of the good things that we like to talk about. It, sometimes some of Scripture gets right down in our grill. I mean, right down in the middle of where we are. And I just kept really fighting all week. And he just wouldn't let me alone. So we're going to look at this. And I'm just going to rely on the fact that it's a word that we need today. Because I, I kept really thinking, how many of you know that sometimes we'll come to church and we want to hear a word about where we are right now? I want to hear a message about my struggle or about some financial problem or about a lack of faith. Or uh, I want to hear a message on end times. Or I wanna, we want to hear a message about really where we are. Instead of really understanding what I began to realize is why he kept bringing me back to it. Is that if we can get this, this word today, this word today is the root of all that other fruit. He said, if you can get this, if you can get the people to see this in their life, they'll begin to see why some of these other problems they want to be dealt with aren't being dealt with. Oh, are you all still with me? Don't go quiet on me now. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. She needs you. Hallelujah. You, you'll begin to see why every other thing that isn't right or going wrong is, 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 is going wrong if we can get a hold of this right here. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 17. Just the first couple of verses here. We're not going to read much, but oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Uh, are you ready? I, I'm, I'm titling today's message, Uprooted. Uprooted. I think the Lord started speaking to me out of this when we had that bad, of course, this Friday or Saturday's wind was pretty bad too. But a few weeks ago when we had all that terrible wind and it uprooted some trees up here on the other properties and, and we had all that mess and the Lord started just speaking to me about it then. And oh, how I should have listened. I'm just saying, because y'all know I don't ever preach something to you that I don't first have to deal with myself. And so it was God trying to prepare me for a storm that was coming that I couldn't see in my, in my view. And he was trying to get my heart ready to be prepared for the storm. And so he allowed, I believe, that big pine to get blown over in my yard to tell me, Adam, there's some things that not, not need to just be cut down, but they have to be uprooted. I mean, there are some things in our life that you can't just cut it because sometimes they'll grow back. Oh, sometimes you got to get it by the root. And, and God was speaking to me then, and I, I was too consumed in my own circumstance to hear what thus said the Lord. Anybody else ever just been so consumed with what's in front of you, you can't hear what thus says the Lord. Amen. And so I'll just admit, I, I wasn't hearing of the Lord when he was using that tree to begin to speak to me. And so, he, so when it came and it happened, I was caught off guard when he was trying to prepare me that there are some things, even sometimes some people, some situations that have to be uprooted. Oh, hallelujah. Because they can't go where you're going. Luke chapter 17, look at verse 1. Hallelujah. Are you all ready? All right, look at this. It says, then said he unto his disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. They're having some problem getting it on the screen. It's all right. Just go with me. Watch this. He says, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and that he be cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespasses against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespasses against thee, you seven times in a day. Oh, now, hold on a minute. I said I didn't like this very much. Look at this. And if he trespasses against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. What you saying? Huh? Anybody else hearing this? Cynthia, I'm going to tell you, I have had to read this a few times this week. Listen to it again. Verse, verse 4, and if he trespasses against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Oh, but watch this, verse 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord, 
Increase our faith. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad God has a sense of humor. Look at this. After Jesus says all this, look at what the, the apostles said. They said, increase our faith. Notice, notice they didn't say they would do it. So you've got to really be able to read between the lines. They never said, well, the Lord, we're going to do it. Their response was, increase our faith. In other words, Lord, once I can do, but seven times, Lord, I need more faith. I mean, I, I get that. Some of y'all are with me. I get that. I, I, I can forgive you once. I, I can move on from it. But seven times, yeah, I need a whole lot more faith. Lord, increase our faith, they said. Look at this. Now, now the last verse, verse 6. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say to this, oh, how many remember faith as a mustard seed? Uh, elsewhere, he says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, I thought that was, it was going to say that. Because we all know that well. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, come on, some of you might remember that message, right? You all were shouting and marching and screaming and yelling. And, but it doesn't say that. It says, if you have faith as of a mustard seed, this text is something different. You can say under this sycamine tree, Ah, uh, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it shall obey you. If you just have faith as of a mustard seed, you can say to this sycamine tree, oh, I'm going to get to it. Not a mountain, but a sycamine tree. It's not your normal average tree like we got around here. I'll just tell you now. You, you can say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Oh, God, help us. We're going to stop right there. Are you ready? Uprooted. Somebody say uprooted. Oh, hallelujah. I, I said that, that we're going to look at this because I believe that if we can really hear what thus says the Lord, we'll find that, that so many of the things that we deal with and are dealing with in this life <clears throat> come from this right here. When the Lord started really speaking this to me, so many other things and areas of fruit in my life started coming from this right here. Pray I don't lose my voice. Those nodules in my neck are really swelling up on me. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I mean, the devil does not want this word to go forth, I'm telling you. Because I'm going to show you the plan of the enemy. I'm going to show it to you right here. The, the, the way of which the enemy really helps to hold you and I captive is through this right here. Something in the heart. Something that is not uprooted that we end up living with. Everybody in this room has been hurt. Oh, come on. Everybody in this room has been, been wounded to some capacity. I know sometimes we all try to look cute and fancy and, uh, you know, dress nice and we wear the latest fashions and we can do our hair up all cute and I can dye mine and hallelujah. But underneath all of my just for men, there is wounds just like yours. Come on, just because some of you choose to let yours go and you all gray, I'm just not there yet, all right? 
it's a wound I'm not going to reveal quite yet, all right? Hallelujah. Listen to me. Everybody in this room, no matter where we come from, no matter what we've been through, everybody in this room has been wounded and hurt. And we often want, uh, we often come to church and want uh, 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 us to hear a message on where our problem is, what we're enduring right now. But I believe this is important because this has everything to do with all the other things that we're experiencing right now. But there is not a person in this room or online today or watching on TV that does not and has not endured some kind of a hurt or have endured some kind of an offense. And so what we end up doing in this life is we start developing some coping mechanisms. Now, I'm not going to counsel you today. I am going to preach to you. But if I was sitting in my office and I was counseling you, we'd start talking about some coping mechanisms that we go through. Hallelujah. But what, what happens is we end up getting to the point in this life where, where what, what hurt us and what bothered us, what we went through, uh, it doesn't bother us too bad because we start developing ways of coping with the things that hurt us. Oh, see, this is the part of church that we like to ignore because the real church doesn't really ever like to get real. Come on, you, you've heard me say our testimonies are always PG-13. Always. We always clean up our testimony because y'all want to forget and want us to think you never were raunchy or nasty. Oh, but you were because I was. And that you never ha had or done anything that was halfway wrong. Come on, somebody. And so we like to always clean things up. And so we never really want to look at our life and we never really want to have to own up to the fact that what someone did to you or some of the things that you and I lived through that they're still affecting us today. So we end up developing some coping mechanisms to be able to deal with them. And so this text is not necessarily on the high priority list of things we like to hear preached about. But I'm going to preach it today anyway. Hallelujah. It, it's not one of the most popular that you and I would find, but it is necessary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't realize that many of the things that we want God to fix is going to come from right here. Did you hear what I said? Many of the things that you and I are praying about is going to come from this right here today. You better, you better get yourself ready. I'm telling you, you need better get yourself ready. Many of the things that you've been asking God for that have been delayed. Remember, delayal does not mean denial. They've been delayed. It just, it's been hung up right here. Hallelujah. And so if you get this, you'll get that. Oh, come on, somebody. Look, look at neighbor or shout to somebody in front of you. Say, if you get this. You'll get that. Oh, my God. You are too weak for me today. I came ready to preach. I said, if you get this, you'll get that. Oh, hallelujah. When God started showing me that this week, I thought, oh, here we go. Remember I said a few weeks ago that God said to me, Adam, one year from now, it's, nothing's going to look the same as it is now. That was about the same time the tree fell. That was also about the same time that, that other things began to transpire and I couldn't see it all. But when he started giving me this word, I started seeing why he said to me about one year from now, nothing will look the same as, as, it, as it is. It's because he said, when you get this, you'll get that. Oh, that's what he was saying. When you get this, you'll get that. Hallelujah. Say it with me. When you get this, you'll get that. Oh, God, thank God we're not a choir because you all ain't all together. Say, when you get this, 
you'll get that. There we did it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, God. Are you ready? Listen to me. It's not that we, none of us incur, don't incur hurt. But we, what we end up doing is we normalize the hurt. We get used to it to the point we don't even know it's there. Come on, I, I know some of us know what it is. I'm one of those, I'm real good. I can numb down to the point. I can make you think nothing's wrong with me, but underneath it all. Come on, anybody else wear more than one face? I mean, I ain't got Botox or none of that yet. I'm fixing to, but, but listen to me. Listen to me. Some of us in the church, most of the real church, you wear more than one face. Oh, come on. I see. I know y'all don't want to admit it, but the truth of the matter is, is most of the real church, we got more than one mask. Oh, yeah. It depends on who and what I'm associated with. Depends on what I'm going to reveal to you. That's why some people, I'll never let them know you rub me the wrong way. And other people, I'll be like, yeah, I don't like them very much. Oh, hallelujah. Say, oh, but you're a preacher. I know. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. <laughs> See, oh, you all just ain't going to go with me today because, y'all, you know, you're judging me. See, be careful of your mask. Oh, I'm not joking. I'm telling you, be careful of your mask. Don't, don't sit there and judge. Watch this. Watch this now. Because we end up normalizing things, and you're sitting there thinking, I don't know why. This isn't the word I need to hear. Oh, just wait. Oh, just wait. I'm gonna, about to get to your business in just a few minutes. Hallelujah. So if you think this is maybe not the message you needed to hear, just wait. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I'm just excited today. Because you know what? Sometimes uh, we, we live our life in a manner, and some of us, and maybe we know someone, that we end up anesthetizing our pain. Uh-huh. We, we know that we're hurting, but we end up anesthetizing it with all kinds of things. We'll abuse people. We'll abuse substance. We'll abuse things. We'll do things to help ourselves cope. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yeah, we'll even abuse people in the manner in which we talk, not necessarily even hitting them, just the way we talk to them. Because how many know, we, you've heard a thousand times, hurt people hurt people. And so anybody who's hurting will hurt somebody else. Haven't you ever noticed some of the most sensitive people in the world are also the, the most rudest people? I've noticed that in my life. Some of the people that I, I hurt their feelings the most, whether it's through a message and just general life, they're usually the rudest people. They're so sensitive. And I realized that the reason they're so rude is because they're so sensitive. See, some, somebody's getting revelation on how to deal with some nasty person in your life. All you see is the roughness and the rudeness of them. But really, underneath it all, they're sensitive. They're hurt. That, that's just their outer appearance to try to keep you away like a porcupine. You can't cuddle up with one because they'll stick you, right? And so that's their outer appearance. Oh, hallelujah. We have a lot of ways in, in which we camouflage all kinds of pain and things that we live, we live through. But one of the things God said to me when I was thinking about this text this week was, is that what we end up doing to camouflage pain is one of the most common ways is we defraud deliverance by telling ourselves we're okay. Did you hear what the Lord said? He said, you defraud deliverance 
by just saying you're okay. How many of you know, uh, we, we've heard people say it's okay to not be okay? Those commercials on TV. And yet in the church, we, we almost just, we put on a mask and say, I'm okay. I'm okay. I got the victory. We'll say some spiritualized thing that we don't believe to be true. We want it to be true, but we don't believe it. And we'll just say, I'm okay. How you doing, sister? I'm okay. I got the victory. Oh, I'm believing. I'm believing victory's coming, right? Or, or another way, let me put it in another, another way. One of the ways we defraud deliverance is when we, when we know that someone's hurting and we'll ask them and they'll say, oh, I don't care. Oh, it doesn't bother me. Oh, it's getting quiet. What's happening? Anybody in here ever say, oh, I don't care. Oh, it don't bother me. You lie, you lie, you lie, you lie. Because one of the reasons you are the way you are is because it bothered you. One of the reasons you're still acting a crazy person you are sometimes because it bothered you. Oh, yes, it bothered you. Yes, it did. The only reason you walked to the other side of the church to avoid me is because it bothered you. Hallelujah. The only reason you unfriended me on Facebook because it bothered you. Hallelujah. Amen. The only reason you never replied to my text because it bothered you. Come on, somebody. It bothered you. Oh, yeah, I'm going to, David. I'm going to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what ends up happening is you, while you say it doesn't bother me, secretly, inwardly, oh, rage starts developing. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you hear? I said rage. Rage. Hallelujah. So even though you might not feel it outwardly, you know, might not think it, it's in there. Amen. It's, it's prego. It's in there. Hallelujah. It's in there. So, so we start wondering what the source of our bad marriage is mm-hmm. right here. Everything you said, it didn't bother me. It's in there. Thank you. She's going to help me preach today. It's in there. Amen. Uh, uh, All of our financial turmoil, it's in there. Uh Uh-huh. Every dysfunctional friendship and relationship in your family, it's in there. Everything you ever said, that's what we're going to deal with today. Everything you ever said, I don't care about. Everything you ever said, oh, it don't bother me. Oh, they don't bother me. Oh, yes, 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 it's in there. And so that's what we're going to get to. All of those things you ever said, I don't care about. Amen. We're going we're gonna to help you out today and show you that it does affect every other part of your life. Look, in the text, back to the text, Jesus said, offenses will come. He said they're inevitable. They will come. So if Jesus said that, 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 if Jesus said that then there's no one in this room that has not incurred some kind of an offense in your life. Every one of, it is, one, every one of us in this room has a story to tell. We, we can look like we have it all together. I can look cute in a suit. Amen. You can look cute and fashionable like Ramona always does, right? But underneath all of our cuteness, underneath my Dolce & Gabbana, underneath my Calvin Class suit or my, my good-smelling cologne, there's some offense. There's some kind of hurt. There's some kind of pain. Are you still with me today? Uh-huh. Yes. I'm going to get you right where you are. We all got a story to tell. Whether we look like we have it all together or not, we're wounded. We're hurting. We're just coping. Hey, man, we, we, see, some of us could have been healed or delivered, but instead of being healed or delivered, do you know how many of us are just camouflaging it? I believe in healing and deliverance. I believe in those things. But you know what we end up doing when, when, we, when, when, when it doesn't happen right when we want it, we just learn to cope with it and camouflage it. Well, God, if you ain't going to do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn to live with it. Ah. 
Oh, you're a weapon of mass destruction when you make that choice. Oh, hallelujah. A couple ways. I got to give you a couple points of, of ways we camouflage and, uh, our hurt and pain, and then we're going to get to the meat of this message. Are you still with me? Oh, Lord, help me. Number one, I mentioned it already, coping mechanisms. What, what is that? In, 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 in nice, simple layman's terms, it's pr- providing temporary relief. Deceiving ourselves into thinking that we are healed when, in fact, we are only camouflaging the pains with work, alcohol, church, drugs, sex. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, see, you can even camouflage it with church. Some of the greatest addicts I know are church addicts. Oh, what happened? You know, you know, people, how they get addicted to church but not change. Oh, man, did it, I just felt that bounce back. I said people who would get addicted to church not necessarily desiring change. Give me the emotional experience of it, but denying the power thereof. Oh, God. There's so many people like that coming to our churches. We're, we're just addicted to church, just like an alcoholic is addicted to alcohol. Oh, I know we like to judge them, but you, you, you need to go to a meeting too. Oh, boy. What do you think about that, J.B.? Somebody said that'll preach. Yes, it will. Church addicts. You're not necessarily hungry after Jesus. Just make me feel good. Shoot me up, preacher. Give me a spiritual high. Oh, yeah. Make me shout and dance and do a jig, and then I can go back and be my miserable, loathing self on Monday. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll I'll move on because I know y'all don't like that too much. Hallelujah. But it ain't no different than people running to the club on Saturday night. People run to church. People run to the club and they're not getting any change in their life. People run to church and have no change in their life. Are y'all with me today? I know it might be a big pill to swallow, but you got to swallow it anyway. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. These are the, let me just say, these are the people who, I'll call them a Jesus maniac, but what they really are is they have no problem telling you all about their, their, yourself when really what they need to be doing is telling themselves about themselves. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Where, where they have a word for everybody. They go to every church with their, with their instrument and their tambourine, and they got, they, I mean, they can be in Aldi's, and they got a word, and they can be at the grocery store over across town, and they got one. They can be walking, I mean, everywhere, everywhere, but, but there's something else wrong with them with their attitude, with, with their lack of love and their lack of holy living. Or somebody tell, know what I'm talking about? There are just some people, they're, 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 they're Jesus maniacs is what they are, and they're, they're weapons and they claim to use his name but they do damage in the kingdom because they're beating up on people telling them all that's wrong with them instead of allowing the word to be a mirror as it says it should be oh i'm preaching good now instead of allowing the word to be a mirror to start saying what is wrong with me why is it that i i run to the house of god but there's no real change in me why is it that i like to tell everybody what's wrong with them but i never can see breakthrough in me oh come on somebody they're a jesus maniac that's a good way of putting it, a nice way I'll put it. Amen. Hallelujah. Cindy's over here hand clapping. Can y'all see that? Hallelujah. She with me today. Hallelujah. Good God. 
We'll come to church, just ignore the pain like a drug addict. We'll shoot up, just ignore the pain. Ouch. Right? That's why you've heard me say you can't put a Band-Aid on a broken arm. Yet we try. Oh, hallelujah. Uproot it, Lord. Uproot it, Lord. In other words, what am I saying? If there's any kind of imbalance in your life, this message is for you. If we're imbalanced, what is it that we're covering? Who hurt you to the point that you're ODing on this kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, we're ODing on church. Church is good. Yeah. But what if it's not bringing change? Number two, I'll move on because... I can feel you don't like that, number one, too much. Number two is vengeance. Oh, how God already mentioned that earlier. Vengeance. This, this idea, crazy, erroneous idea that hurting the person will heal the victim. Woo! I, I know I'm not preaching to nobody in here. It's the kind of person that says, I'm not going to sleep until I see you get what's coming. You know, when we really turn evil, when we say, I'm not going to rest until I see you get everything that you ever deserve. It's, in other words, in reality, hurting me won't heal you. But we think when we say that by hurting someone, it's going to let up on us a little bit. Come on. And anybody else ever wish something bad might happen to somebody else? Amen. You know, maybe before I walk with Jesus so closely. But, but there have been times in my life where I just thought, Lord, get him. Get him, God. Get him. Right? But what I really meant, even though I said, God, get him, what I really meant is I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to make you suffer. Right? Until I came to the revelation that hurting them won't heal me. Somebody needs to hear that for you and your spouse. Hurting them won't heal you. Come on, for our family. Hurting them won't heal you. Hallelujah. It just lowers you to their level. Lord, help me. Hallelujah. So we can't be a people that say, I'm not going to sleep until I get you back, right? I'm not going to rest until you feel the pain like I felt, those sort of things. I'm going to bring you to your knees, whatever it is they want to say. Hallelujah. When we do that kind of stuff, we're just as bad as the perpetrator. This this is all intro. Hang on with me. I'm going to get to the meat here in just a moment. You're just as bad as they are. Because the Bible says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. I will repay. I will repay. In other words, God will handle your enemies. God doesn't want you to handle your enemies. Vengeance belongs to God. Did you hear what I said? Vengeance belongs to God. Maybe you need to say that today. Say vengeance belongs to God. Vengeance belongs to God. In other words, I ain't going to get them. I, I release them. Lord, you do with it. Amen, because if I do it, I'm going to go to jail. Hallelujah. I mean, 
right? <laughs> uh, see, I, some of y'all are afraid to hear that kind of transparency. But if you would really uh, let what's in you out of you, some of us might not be here this morning. We'd be behind bars. Cause what, uh, so I got to let him deal with it. I got to let him deal with some people. Oh, hallelujah. Vengeance belongs to God. Hallelujah. So every time we have a broken family or we're in a custody dispute or we're fighting with somebody that we once loved, amen, we've got to remember vengeance belongs to God. Amen. When, when people are mad at us and shouting at us, we've got to remember vengeance belongs to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, what I've learned about vengeance is sometimes you and I can be vengeful and we don't necessarily see it as being vengeful. Because we, we end up giving ourselves a license to be that way. What do I mean? Oh, preacher, you don't know how bad they are. Oh, you don't know what they did to me. I'm the way that I am because of what they did to me. Oh, did you, did you hear what I just said? You just gave yourself a license to be vengeful. Amen? And when you carry around a driver's license, Right? You carry around other license that you and I need. I have to have a license to preach, right? We have to have a, a license to do a lot of things. And yet what we end up doing is giving ourselves a license to be vengeful because we make excuses for why things are wrong in our life. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how bad it hurt. You don't know, 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 know all the things that I lived through. And so I am this way because of what they did to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But what we end up doing is we miss the opportunity for God to get his vengeance. Did y'all hear that? We miss the opportunity for God to get his vengeance because the moment that you and I begin to execute our vengeance, God says, well, if you're going to handle it, I'm going to get out of it. Because he said in his word, vengeance is mine. And if you start executing yours, God will just step back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So maybe what we need to learn is just to leave our hands out of some things and let God deal with some of them. Hallelujah. Because getting vengeance doesn't get you and I well. No, it doesn't. Getting re revenge on our job doesn't get us well or any place in our family. Number three, real quick, self-deception. Meaning, it goes back to what I said earlier, I don't care. When we say I don't care, when you say I don't care over and over again, gradually that I don't care turns into rage. You've heard me say anger turned inside out as depression. People who come for counseling because they're depressed know you angry. Don't let anybody fool you. You are angry. It's just turned inside out. So when, pe when people say, I don't care, when somebody does something to you, uh, 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 a lot of times we'll say, I don't care. But really what you are is you are mad as hell. Oh, come on. I, I, yeah, amen. I'm going to say, I, I, I'm going to say amen. When, when we often say, I don't care, I don't care. Come on, anybody else ever fight with a spouse in here? Or fight with someone in your family, right? Or maybe even church people, and they say something nasty to you or whatever. You be like, I don't care. You can say what you want. We'll cock our head and everything. We'll try to look all big and bad. And you, I don't care. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. The only reason you say I don't care is because you, you are just, you are hurt. But really what you are, while under the surface, you are boiling. You are bubbling. And, and you're just going to keep saying I don't care until you just finally explode one day. Amen, somebody in this place. Oh, look at the faces I'm getting from up. If you could all only see see what I see. Oh, Lord Jesus. We need that camera up here. Glory to God. My, my, my. You are ready to explode. I don't care. 
I don't care what you do. Yes, you do. The very fact that you just said I don't care is your evidence. Yes, you care. Yes, you care. I'm preaching for somebody today. Hallelujah. Why, why, why do I say that? It's because you say that you don't care, but your behavior is proving your words not to be true. Oh. You're saying I don't care, but you're sitting there shaking your foot. Right? Jumping your legs, biting your lip. I mean, it's a wonder some of you even got a lip left. Squeezing your hands. I, I, am I preaching truth to you right now? I mean, I know. Right. Uh, what's wrong, Cindy? Too close to home? Oh, man, look at that. Uh, she's sitting on the front row, so I just can't help. <laughs> uh, if anybody wants to know if what I'm saying is true, well, look at Cindy. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> look at her face. I've never seen her face so embarrassed. Oh, glory to God. We say, I don't care. I don't care, but our behavior is proving our words to be untrue. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, help us today. Help us today, Lord, to uproot it. In other words, we're, we're attempting to deceive ourselves because it's anger just turned inside out, and it's not coming out because you say, I don't care. And so when anger starts turning inside out, it starts depressing you and I. Hallelujah. It starts depressing you and I. And so the reason that you, sometimes we often fight depression is because you're dealing with anger somewhere in your life that you won't express. And all that energy and all that force won't, won't let it come out of you. And it's turned you into what you are now calling depression. Oh, good God Almighty. Hallelujah. And so what it really is, is anger. So come to me about depression and I'll start dealing with your anger. I'll, I'll start poking you till I can get you to explode. That's true. Come to me, I'll push every button that you have that I can think of and then till I can get you to get heated. And once I get you heated, I'll be like, that's the spot and I'll keep pushing. Oh, because we got to get you delivered, right? Oh! <laughs> why? Why? Because otherwise, otherwise, watch, we're just coping. We're just coping. We're, we're not uprooting anything, right? It, it's just showing up in another manner of our life. So we'll go to the doctor. We'll tell them I'm depressed. They'll write you a script, but really you're still angry. Uh-huh. We're still angry because a, a, a pill can't deliver you from anger. Oh, hallelujah. Not all the therapists and the medication in the world won't help you until you confront this area in your life. Amen, because I've learned something. You and I can come into the house of God and dance all over the place, and I don't mind if you dance, but dancing is not dealing with it. It's also not going to deliver you. There comes a point where you and I have to confront what we need to confront in this life to be able to be free from it so we don't have to be miserable, so we don't have to be depressed, so we don't have to be angry in life because dancing isn't dealing. Look at this. Jesus said offenses will come, but woe unto him who through his offenses will come. He said, it is better that a millstone be tied around his neck and cast into the sea. Let me tell you the good news about this text. Believe it or not, there's some good news in here. The good news is, is if you've been wounded, that God is on the side of the wounded. 
That's really what he's saying to you right here. God is saying he is on the side of the wounded. So to every person in this place that has ever been hurt and that has ever been wounded, God is on your side. God always has been on your side. God always will be. God was on the side of the children of Israel when they were down in Egypt and when they were wounded. Amen. God is on the side of all his people who are ever wounded and or oppressed. God is on the side of the wounded. But what he said was, he said, it's better that a millstone be tied around your neck and be thrown into the sea than for you to abuse your power and take advantage of your position when, in fact, God is on the side of the wounded. Because he said, be careful, don't do this to the least of these, the little people, the people that sometimes we think are insignificant. Hallelujah. So if we've ever been abused, if we've ever been raped, if we've ever been molested, if we've ever been wounded of any kind, God is on your side. Say, God is on my side. One more time. God is on my side. Yes, he is. He's on your side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is on your side. So every person that's ever been mistreated or wounded or cast aside or abused or alienated, my God, we, we should be leaving here today shouting because God is on our side. In other words, another way of putting it, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Remember, the Bible says, God, in his word, it says, touch not thine anointed, do thy prophet no harm. That's just not a scripture for preachers. We like to use that as a scripture just for preachers. Don't, you know, don't talk about, don't, don't do them wrong, right? But really, that's a scripture for every person who's anointed by God. Touch not thine anointed, do that prophet no harm. Because God is on your side. I said, God is on your side. Hallelujah. He is on your side. So if you've been feeling powerless, you understand what that means. If you've been feeling powerless or you've been feeling alienated or you feel like you're fighting something all alone, you need to understand God is already on your side. What that means is God has already sent angels fighting on your battles for you. God has angels already all around you. God has angels already defending you because God has you covered. Hallelujah. Right there. God has you covered. He said to his disciples, it's impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe to him through whom they come. He's talking to his disciples, and then he flips over and starts talking to other people. In verse 2, he says, it, it, it were better for them that a millstone were hanging around their neck and cast into the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. Whew. Then Jesus flips back and starts talking to the hurt people again. See, you, you really got to take time to slow down and really pay attention to the text. He's, he starts talking to the people who have been hurt again in the text. Because, watch this, actually, when you and I get hurt by somebody else, when we get wounded, watch this. You and I getting hurt is being groomed yourself to be abusive. <laughs> My God. My God. That's why oftentimes statistically they say people who grow up in abuse will abuse. My God. And so on and so forth. So what he's saying in the text is woe to them. Be careful when you become wounded because you're being groomed yourself to wound oh my god 
In other words, everybody in here probably has some haters. We, we always get haters. But it, this is the grooming process from which haters are made. So what you and I need to realize to everyone who has ever been abused or been hurt or victimized, everyone who's ever been abandoned, everyone's who had a fight with a neighbor, you and I need to be careful because what Satan is trying to do is groom you to be like them. Oh, wow. Did you all hear what I'm telling you? Satan is trying to groom you through the wound to be like the perpetrator. And so in, in, in church lingo, we like to sing, he's under my feet, under my feet, right? Satan is under my feet. We like to call him our enemy. We like to do all kinds of spiritualized things. But what God is trying to say, if you don't really ever deal with the wound and you allow that thing, you just cope with it, all you're doing is becoming like your enemy. All you're doing is becoming like the person who made you the way that you are. Oh, God, help us. Are, are y'all staying with me? We're, he, we're being groomed, and we didn't even know it. So watch this. Jesus starts talking to them in the text about forgiveness. That's where I said, huh? For real, God? Now, forgiveness is a really interesting thing. This isn't a message necessarily about forgiveness. Forgiveness is never an easy thing to do. Because our emotions make us hurt and in the presence of all of our pain, it's, it's hard to sometimes let some things go, and especially when we look at the source of our pain. Let me, let me put it this way. People don't have to keep hurting you. All people have to do that did hurt you is walk in the room. See, you and I can put distance between you and the person who hurt you badly and you, you good until they walk in the church or they walk in the funeral home or, or they walk into some dinner or you walk into them at Walmart. A amen. You all okay. You don't even know anything's wrong with you until you see them. Hallelujah. And then when we do see them, every, all of us probably know somebody that we think, I know they're not trying to come up in here acting like everything's okay. Uh-huh. After what they did to me, can you believe? After what they said about me, can you believe? They don't even need to come near me. You know what the Lord said? He said, the reason we're like that, the reason you were like that is because mad is all you have left. Oh, I'm going to help somebody today. I said, mad is all you've got left. Anger is all you got left. Listen, and what Jesus is saying in the text is the anger is all you got left, but I want you to give that up. Mm. I want you to give it up. So forgive them. If they wrong you and they ask for forgiveness, forgive them. And then he goes on to say, and if they do it seven times in a day, forgive them. Oh, mm. Oh, for real, Jesus? Yes. But I mean, did you really see? Yes. Forgive him. Let, let me put it in a way you might understand. You got divorced and he got the car and the kids. 
forgive them. Uh Uh-huh. They lied on you so bad. People still talk about you. Forgive them. They broke you so bad, you cried yourself to sleep many, many nights. He said, forgive them. Let it go. But, but preacher, they, they beat me so many times, I don't even remember how many times. Forgive them. All you got left is mad. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. He said, forgive them because all you're going to end up being left with is mad. Is, is that anger. That's all you're going to be left with. He said, you got to forgive them. Hallelujah. That's what this text is about. This text is Jesus talking to these these disciples about feeling justified to be angry. Anybody ever feel justified to be angry? Boy, I know what that's like. I justified it in my own mind that the way I'm feeling and the way I treat somebody because of what they did. Mm. Oh, that's the judgment of Adam right there. Right? See, some, some of y'all don't, can't handle the, my, this transparency. Watch this. Watch this. It's about feeling justified to be angry. Watch this. This is about you and I holding on to rage because it gives you some kind of power. How many of you have ever been hurt so bad or wounded so bad that you felt so powerless? I mean, there are some people, any of you who have ever lived through any kind of abusive situation, you, you live, you, the only way you lived through it is you had to feel powerful in some way because they beat you to a degree that you never felt powerful. Whether you are physically, mentally, uh, emotionally, verbally, sexually abused, the the perpetrator always abuses you because they want you to feel like this and they want to feel like a monster. And so the only way that oftentimes, oh, see, this is what Jesus is really saying. He's saying the only real way that you are ever, the only way you're surviving this is you are holding on to all of that rage and all of that anger to try to make yourself feel powerful enough just to live just to breathe and so when they walk in the room and you say something like I can't believe they're coming up in here the nerve that's our, that's mad bubbling up to rage and that's what Jesus is talking about he's saying you've justified your rage and your anger to the degree that you said it's okay because it, it, it allows you to feel somewhat powerful not realizing it's making me sick, it's making me depressed, it's making me suicidal. And so for a brief moment, when we, when we feel that anger, we feel that rage, we feel powerful. Because without feeling powerful, we often feel defenseless. Come on, anybody who's ever lived through abuse, you know what it is, you feel defenseless, right? The reason you put your arm up is because you feel defenseless. So I know not everybody's lived through abuse in here, but some of you have. Or the reason that, that, that you say, I don't care, so quick, is because what somebody did say to you at one time, it hurt. And so your I don't care is you putting your hand up. Whew. 
my God, something's breaking in this place. Somebody's about to get a breakthrough. I said, somebody's about to get a breakthrough. Mm, 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 mm. He says, they ask you seven times in a day to forgive. He says, you shall forgive them. You have to forgive them. This is the part of this text I said I didn't like. Remember right in the beginning? I don't like it. He says, you have to forgive them. Seven times in a day, you got to forgive them. He said, forgive them seven times in a day. I, I, I can deal with the first part of it where he says, if they trespass against you, forgive them. I can deal with once. But seven? That's when he said, after seven times a day, he said, you shout forgive them. He says, the disciples respond and say, increase our faith. Let me explain it to you. Well, how Jesus is trying to lay this out in a manner which you can understand. Jesus was trying to get them to live like they breathe. In other words, as just like right now, you, are, you all are sitting there living by breathing. You're doing it without even thinking. You're inhaling. See, right here is where somebody's deliverance is going to start. He said, I need you to live like you breathe. As soon as you inhale that offense, as soon as they hurt you, let it go. Because in other words, if you don't, you'll die. The reason some of us are struggling to live the reason why some of us are struggling to get breakthrough in certain areas of your life is because of this right here. You can't get breakthrough in some other areas because this is all in the way. And you're carrying it. You're carrying it right along with you. Somebody said a little bit ago, you can forgive, but don't forget you're carrying it. I'm not saying you're not going to have the memory of it. That memory is embedded. Some of you know what it is to be beaten to a corner, to cover your head, to try to stay alive. That's something you will never get out of your mind. Some of us know what it is to be so verbally attacked and abused. Those words will never escape being embedded in your brain. So when someone who did that to you says, I love you, what you really hear is what they said before. They may say, I love you, but what you hear is how worthless and dumb you are. What a slut you are, whatever it is that they did. Right? I'm going somewhere. Are you still with me? So Jesus is saying, I want you to forgive him sometimes, at it, seven times a day. What he's saying is, I want you to live like you breathe. I want you to do this like you breathe. In other words, as soon as you inhale something, exhale it. Release it back as fast as you take it in. So I got to forgive every person that ever done me wrong. You and I've got to forgive the people who, who talked about us, the people who, who did us wrong. You and I've got to forgive the people who did some of the worst things in life that we've tried to live with and maybe we haven't even told many people about and God's saying, I want you to forgive them. 
He say you need to forgive him because if you don't, you don't have room for all the things that he says in his word that he wants to provide to you. Remember, the Bible says that, that Jesus comes that you might have life and have it more abundantly, but the enemy comes that he might steal, kill, and to destroy. This is how the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. So as long as you and I are carrying around all of this stuff and all these wounds and all these hurts and all these pains and all this unforgiveness and all this stuff that happened from a wound that someone inflicted on us, there's no room for the abundant life of God. God wants to get it to you, but because we're too busy preaching seven ways to get blessed and six more ways to live in the prosperity of God and all the stuff that we hear everybody preaching all the time and we're not dealing with the roots of some of the stuff that we're dealing with, God's saying, I want you to be blessed and I want you to be abundant but I can't get it to you because you don't forgive I can't get it to you because you're living in rage you'll never experience the real joy of the Lord so long as we are consumed with rage and we won't release it just like we breathe is somebody hearing what I'm telling you so all of these promises and the Bible says all of the promises of God are yes and amen meaning and so they shall be the only person holding them up, it's not the devil, it's you. Because you chose to be angry. You chose to be mad. You chose to be mad rather than let it go. The disciples said, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. At first I thought that's a strange response when we're talking about forgiveness. But forgiveness... And faith both live in the spirit realm. And so Jesus responded to them, basically. He said, you can't use not having more faith as an excuse not to forgive. You can't use not having more faith as an excuse not to forgive. Watch this. Because he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, we've preached about it before. He didn't say you can speak to the mountain. He said you can say to the sycamine tree. You can say to the sycamine tree. Someone, if you will let it happen, he's going to start healing you and helping you right now. Do you have that picture of that tree on that slide? He said, you can say to this sycamine tree. See, I thought it was supposed to say mountain. You could speak to the mountain and the mountain will move. But what is a sycamine tree anyway? Everything when Jesus says, in another place in scripture that if you have faith the size of mustard so you, you can speak to the mountain he said you can speak to the mountain everything about the mountain goes up but when he says if you have faith to the size of a mustard seed everything about the sycamine tree can you advance to the slide that has the, the, the tree on it the, everything about the sycamine tree goes down watch this the, the, the top of the sycamine tree is rather small. It's more like a bush. But the root system of a sycamine tree is deep. And what's different about the sycamine tree is that you can cut it at the stump and it will grow back. 
most trees you you can just cut it down and it won't grow but a sycamine tree you can cut its branches and it'll grow back you can cut it at the stump and it will grow back you can you can chop pieces of it off and it'll it'll keep growing back so this is why Jesus said you can have faith the size of a mustard seed and you can say to the sycamine tree you can say look look at that this is a sycamine tree at the top of it's more like a bush those roots go deep deep the roots of a pine tree can grow up to a mile long but these are complex these are intertwined and interconnected there's no other tree on the earth that if you cut it it'll grow back like this tree that's why Jesus said when they said increase our faith he said if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed just just a little bit of faith he said you can speak to the sycamine tree the the part of you that keeps trying to grow back the part of you that it seems like you cannot get away from it that just when you thought you were doing good you had gotten over what someone did to you boom there they are again and it's like it takes you 20 years in reverse Jesus said if you have faith just the size of a mustard seed you can say to that thing that has a complex root system that it be plucked up by the root and be thrown into the sea Jesus is saying you don't have to cope see had I listened to the words that he was giving me some weeks ago when he uprooted the pine tree in my yard I've been ready for a storm that was brewing I'd have been able to speak to some pine trees. I'd have been able to speak to some sycamine trees in my life and uproot it so that it it wouldn't come rushing back into my life like a terrible haunting memory. Jesus uses the sycamine tree as a reminder that there it's a tree that's hard to kill. In other words, Jesus is acknowledging that some of the things that some of you and I have lived through, it's, it's hard to deal. And we'll cope with it with some of the three areas that I showed you through the word. We'll we'll try to cope with it through the very things he said. He said, I I recognize that it's hard to deal, but the only way to be able to deal with it is if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. That you can speak to it. That it would be plucked up by the root. Not just pruned or groomed, but be plucked up by the root. Because a sycamine tree is hard to kill as a mountain is hard to move. He says, so you got to deal with it by the root. In other words, your pain has worked so far down in you that he compares you and I to a sycamine tree. How many know there are some people, I'm a kind of a complicated person, Tony. I'm, 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 I'm greater than an onion. I got so many layers to me. It takes a person with a couple PhDs to figure this guy out. I'm all kinds of messed up. I'm just telling you. But Jesus simplifies all that is wrong with me and all that is wrong with you. And he calls you a sycamine tree. 
a sycamine tree. Because of the stuff that we've lived through has worked itself so far down in us, into every part of our life, into every relationship, into every decision, into every response, into our attitudes, into the manner of which we live, that he said the only way to really help you is to uproot it and throw it into the sea. So he mentions the root of the sycamine tree because that's where the problem lies. That's where the problem lies. Oh, there, there's some other stuff I, I'd love to have the time to share, but I, I, don't, I, I don't have the time to share it all. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the holiness. But let me, let me start closing with this. The Lord started showing me through this text, Ramona, that everything that ever went wrong in my life brought me to where I am today. Notice I didn't say everything that went right in my life. I said everything that went wrong in my life. Mom, hang on a minute because I'm going to share something. Hold her close. Everything that ever hurt me made me who I am. Everything that ever hurt you made you who you are today. Everything. And I started seeing God started speaking to me through this word some weeks ago, but it was only this week he wouldn't let go. And I, when I, I literally was wrestling with God. And I said, God, this is not what I believe is for the hour of the church. I said, I just don't. And the reason was is because it wasn't one of those that was going to be like, come on, preacher, preach. And it wasn't going to be a huh, you know. And the more I kept twirling, he said, it's not the blessings of your childhood that brought you here today. He said, Adam, it's the trauma of your childhood that brought you here today. How I many you know there are some images that are forever burned in your mind? There are some things you just can't ever get out of your mind. One of the things growing up I remember is when the electrocution happened next to our home and those five men lost their life because the flagpole fell on the phone lines. I remember I could still smell their flesh burning. I could still remember what that looked like. Remember the lights in our house flashing while they lost their life. But there are other images that are more traumatic. I, I remember the images of what it is to grow up and watch Grandpa, do some of the things that he did to Grandma. Cuss her, beat her down with his words. I know what it was for him to do it to me too. Till I got old enough to say, right back at you, buddy. And I left. But I also have images burn my mind of my childhood. And the reason I was struggling to deal with this message, I finally realized as I said something to the staff the other week, when I met with you after something that happened, and I said something, and it was then in that moment that God was dealing with me on this, that we grew up in a manner that we were always told that whatever happened in our house to keep it a secret. So while we were in ministry and I was a child, we had to give the image 
we were the perfect pastor's family. And that nothing that was happening at home was really ever happening. That mom really wasn't getting the tar beat out of her. That nobody in the house was ever full of rage and nothing ever got broken or cussed or nobody ever got hit. No, that we, we had to appear like we were the right, proper church family, pastor and first lady and his two perfect kids. And there wasn't nothing perfect about it. And I was back and forth about I was going to say anything. And then God said to me, he said, he said, you cannot be uprooted if you're going to keep hiding behind what is really true. And so there was one particular image that burned in my mind. And it was after the Markleysburg Church got rid of us and voted us out. And we were house hunting. Dad and mom were both angry and hurt and wounded. People wanted to pay money to watch dad and mom be tarred and feathered. And I mean, it was craziness. And there was brokenness all over our family, not just the trauma of our family, not just church problems, but just stuff, you know, life. Dad never seemed to make enough money. Things were tight and robbed Peter to pay Paul and church problems and growing churches that never seemed to ever have everyone happy and healthy at the same time and the marriage was breaking down and the, the relationship with Carrie and I was breaking down but there were things that were happening there was a lot of chaos all over but I remember one specific day we were in the car and we were house hunting because our time was almost up and we were driving on the road headed from towards Markleysburg Pennsylvania and towards Brewston Mills West Virginia and nobody can sue me because it's true remember mom you and dad fighting and I remember how angry he got I was sitting in the back seat and so was my sister and I mean the rage became so uncontrollable he stopped the car in the middle of the road and he hit her he threw her out of the car and I remember all I could do in the back was just like oh my god try to cry silently because you couldn't be heard because if you would be heard you could be next and I remember watching mom be thrown out of the car continuing to scream and continuing to yell and it's an image that was burned into my mind and there were many others this is a, this is an easy one though because I'm considering her as much as I am myself and as much as the public image that we wouldn't want anybody's image to get affected by you know but I'm just done trying to hide behind the image that everybody wants our cute little pastor's families to live by. When I, when I, when I, when I lived it, I, I know what kind of hell we lived through. So here she is out along the side of the road and Carrie and I in the back end, and we start to leave. And my sister being my sister, you don't mess with her. You don't mess with anybody she loves. She started in on him. And she wouldn't let up on him. And as we started to drive away, she's, she starts screaming and yelling at dad and grabbing a hold of his shoulder. You turn around now, dad. Don't you dare leave mom there like that. Dad, don't you dare. And because I'm younger and because I'm smaller, I'm crouched down in the back of that little Ford Tempo. Scared. Full of fear. And I still can't get that image out of my mind. Mom getting smaller and smaller through the back window of the car. 
And when the anger finally starts subsiding, he starts coming to himself. He goes back and says, Kath, get in the car. Get in the car. But it wasn't over. It was far from over. We ended up getting back to the house and he knew he'd messed up big time. So he said, Adam, call your pap. I was like, dang, this must be bad. Because pap and grandma, mom's mom and dad, if they only knew. So I call pap and grandma, savage, and they come down. Trying to talk mom into staying. It'll never happen again. God, I'm done with that. Only for it to happen over and over and over and over and over and get worse. our minds why am I saying all this I'm not preaching it to expose anybody I'm preaching it to you to expose to you that I'm not preaching to you something that I don't know I'm not preaching to you something that I learned in Bible college I'm not preaching you something that I learned when I wrote one of my thesis papers I'm not preaching anything to you that I that I that 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 that, that I know only through a doctorate degree no 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 I'm preaching to you what I know That's why I'm saying it. I got to let you know that I'm preaching something that I understand personally, that I've lived through, that all of that made all of this. Doesn't mean I'm not flawed. Looking back, I realized some things are so much more terrifying when you aren't the one in control. Looking back, I thought probably there was probably times the very fact that she's sitting here today is a miracle. Yeah. Why am I saying all that? Because everything that ever went wrong in your life has everything to do with everything that ever went right. little boy crying in the back of the car or at the top of the stairs I grew up and I was a terrible student I hated school I couldn't focus I didn't want to say I wasn't dumb I just didn't want to I couldn't focus probably not a teacher that ever really taught me that ever thought that I would grow up and do what I do be educated like I am. There comes a point in all of our lives and there came a point for me, I had to realize that there's something in front of me that was better than what was behind me. And so there comes a point where you have to let some stuff go. Sometime back, I was dealing with so many things. Bear with me here, I'm going to close and I was dealing with so many things, so many emotions, and so much anger. I had to have an outlet. I, I erupted in such anger, I 
picked up my coffee table and threw it across the room. Shattered it in so many pieces that it would never be the same. And it was in that moment I thought, and then the Lord spoke. He said, Adam, why are you allowing your future to look like your past? After I got done having an attitude with God, being like, how dare you, God? He said, why are you letting your future look like your past? See, what I did was something that looked like a memory I had had. See, sometimes you and I struggle to forgive people because all we know is what they did to us. We don't know the why. But then sometimes when we learn the why, we're a little far less judgmental about the what. But see, I'm not just interested in you figuring out the what or the why. I believe what God wants from you and I today in this place if you have the ability, will you stand to your feet? I believe what God wants from us in this place is God is challenging you and I this morning to uproot it. To stop lying to ourselves. To stop trying to camouflage some things and let it out. So that you and I are ready to receive what God wants to release in our life. I did my best to be obedient. There was so much more I'd love to share with you that God was showing me. But what God wants to do is uproot it from you. Because you've been cutting it and it keeps growing back. A sycamine tree. And yet the only way to really deal with it is get it by the root. God wants you and I to let all the rage and the frustration and the bitterness and the resentment, He wants you to let it go. You say, why do I know that? I know that because even for some of us men in this room, there are men in this room that we are angry. I'm not just hangry right now, I am angry. Because inside of every man probably in this room, there's a little boy that's still having a tantrum. And sometimes people around us wonder why we get angry and we lash out the way we do because we are still angry. And what I've come to find out about men as I counsel them and, and I, I've done studies is that the only acceptable emotion for a man to ever really show in society is anger. Because if we show anything else, we're weak. A lot of men can't cry or we're told they couldn't cry or can't show other emotions. But the one emotion that often is just more widely accepted is anger. And so we end up blowing up and we end up getting, uh, 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 the only acceptable emotion anyone can ever see is angry. And some of us, even men in this room, we're just angry. And then some of us, maybe we drive everybody else around us that, 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 that love us just because we're angry. We get angry like our mother was or angry like our father was or we act more like him than we even want to ever admit. 
But what God is saying, he said, you've got to uproot some of these things because you've got to break and destroy the generational curse. And the reason we're not seeing the abundance of God in some of these areas is because it's generational. And he's saying, I need you to uproot it because it's stealing your future and it's stealing your peace. So we've got to begin today just to declare a release right now in the name of Jesus in this place. Saying, Lord, I don't want this in me anymore. That the root of this thing, it has to die. What I, what I came to church with today, I will not go home with today. Or somebody here on what I'm telling you. That, that there are some things that have to be uprooted in my life. Because I don't want to have to continue to live as an adult with images that still haunt me from my childhood. Because my future is not going to look like my past. Come on, somebody. So in order to deal with your images, God says it has to be uprooted. It has to be uprooted, destroyed, uprooted, and thrown into the sea. Maybe it's a stronghold, meaning it's something that's got a stronghold on you. If it is, then it's all right. We can run straight to this altar and say, Lord, I know it's in me. I like to deal like it ain't in me, but it's, it's in me. Get it out of me. God, everything that then the deep roots that are in me, get it out of me. So my altar call is just going to be simply, if there's something in you that's got to get out of you, come, 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 come. I don't care whether you stand, kneel, lay, scream, cry, yell. I don't care. Come, come, come. If anything I said today makes sense, come. We're, we're not, we're not going to do anything fancy. We're going to just pray. And we're going to just believe because the Bible says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you and I can say the sycamine tree and it will be plucked up by the root and it, and it will leave. Let, let me say something for, for those of you that are responding, those of you that are home that are watching right now. Let me say something very specific. Those of you that are here, keep praying, keep praying. But listen, have an ear to hear. See, underneath what we call anger, men, the acceptable rage, underneath, when God said to me, when I did that to that coffee table, when he said to me, Adam, be careful. Your future will look like your past. See, I never laid a hand on my kids like that. I didn't even do that with my wife because I always knew I never wanted my future to look like my past. But when God started dealing with me in that moment, he said, Adam, I know you think you're mad, but he said, you're not mad. You're hurt. You're hurt. He said, let the hurt out. So to every person up here, that understands a rage like that, let the hurt out. Let it out. Uproot it before you lose something else. See, what I really believe is my father probably wouldn't have been that way if he had had something like this. Maybe his father wouldn't have been the way he was if he had had something like this. Come on, we've got to break some things that are being passed down. We've got to break some behaviors and some things that are just that are just in us. We've got to end it right here. And, and, and we're not going to cut it. We're not going to trim it. We're going to uproot it right here in this place today. Hallelujah. Ladies, I want to say something to you. This is almost prophetic. Ladies, you were built to carry. In every one of you. When God created you in his likeness and his image, yes, but you were created with a womb. You were structured and built to carry but you were never designed to carry this. So why are you? 
I know the, the, the job of, of the female in our, our life is so much you carry everything. You got to do it all. You got to wear many hats and you got to, you, 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 you always got to be spiritual, but yet you can't really show who you really are. You, you struggle, you hurt, and you have pain, but yet we have to also spiritualize it. Listen to me, ladies, you were built to carry stuff, you, but, but you were not, don't have to carry life. You were not built to carry this. Listen to me, ladies, you were not built to carry the memories. Listen, what the Lord is saying to me through this word. He said, you were not built to carry the memories. That's why he said it has to be uprooted. You were not meant to have to carry jealousy. You're not meant to have to carry that anger. You're not meant to carry any of that wrong stuff in your womb. This is the one thing that God says he needs to abort from you. He says, I got to get it out of you. Because it's keeping you from what is ahead. So that needs to be your prayer today. Lord, get it out of me get it out of me so every person in this place and every person at home this is the message uproot it uproot it just start praying where you are in this place just start praying where you stand what where you stand let him let him do it I, I sense the anointing of God in this place let him touch you let him uproot it it's it's an intimate and it's a personal thing because everyone in this place you've been through something different so, some of your stories are very different than mine but but let him uproot it right now let him uproot it let, let him take it let him take it let him take it if it's not doing you any good, give it over to him. Just just even tell him. Start telling him, Lord, take it out of me, Lord. Take it out of me. Take it out of me by the root. By the root in the name of Jesus. By the root in the name of Jesus. Take it out of me by the root in the name of Jesus. Oh, hey, get it, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because your future cannot look like your past. I said, your future cannot look like your past. Get it out of me. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So, Father, right now I pray. Father, I pray right now over your people today in this place. Lord, today I just pray uprooted. I say uprooted in the name of Jesus. God, every person that responded to this altar call, Father, let that just be the sign that, Lord, they, they need change. God, they're desperate for what's in them to be removed. God, they're desperate for the things that they've had to live with that they know can't go into their future. And so, Father, uprooted in the name of Jesus. Lord, all you ask is that, Lord, we have faith the size of a mustard seed. So, Father, here is our mustard seed. Here is my mustard seed. And you said that, Lord, we can say, be uprooted and be thrown into the sea. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I say to every sycamore tree, sycamore tree that has been wound up in her life, that has been a part of our life, and that has grown roots deep, that has complex roots within us, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that they be removed by the root. 
and thrown into the sea right now in the name of Jesus. Father, every, every, every part of that tree, every hidden root, every, every part of it that has bad memories, every part of it that has images that are burned into our very spirit, into the soul of every person, into the mind of our, our very being, I pray in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father, let it be uprooted and thrown into the sea right now. Father, I pray that this would be a day of deliverance. A day of being set free, not just talking about it, not, 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 not just anything, but, but now in the name of Jesus, uprooted, uprooted. The Lord, we're going to leave this place saying, I've been uprooted. I've been uprooted in the name of Jesus, never to be the same again, never to be the same again. My future will not look like my past. My future, my tomorrow will not look like what I've lived through. It won't look like what I've lived through. It won't look what I lived through. It won't look like that anymore. It won't, it won't, it won't. It won't look like it. I, 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 I allow you to take it. Somebody saying, well, how will I know? You'll know when you're not angry. You'll know when you don't want to do to them what they did to you. You'll know it was uprooted. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, soothe and minister and release your anointing right now and bring total healing. My God, I sense the presence of the Lord in this place. Heal, minister, restore right now and bring your people to a place of wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. You're whole. You're whole. Receive His wholeness right now. It's like the big godly arms of Heavenly Father are reaching down in this place right now. You're whole. 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 I said you're whole. You're whole. Come on, just receive that just for a moment. I'm going to let you go. Just receive it. So you're whole. You're whole. That's what it means. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. You're whole. My God, my God, my God. You're whole in the name of Jesus. 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 Now, 
Father, when we leave this place, we're not leaving with what we came with. There's a sick of mine that no longer has a hope, a place in my life. I leave today whole. These people leave today whole. Father, I pray you bless their week. Father, truly now, start a chain of events in their life that is unstoppable. Start a chain of events in their life that is unstoppable. Blessings, abundance, prosperity, overflow into their life, God, because of this day. Because they uprooted what could not habitate. All of your other promises will dwell. Start a chain of events that's unstoppable in the name of Jesus. Father, as we give tithes and offerings on our way out, God, bless it, multiply it, bring increase into the life of your people, into every giver. God, I pray you just bless them, keep blessing. Bless them and bless them again and, and again and again. God, thank you that you bless this house. Thank you that, Lord, we, 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 we see your goodness and your faithfulness. God, let your people see your goodness. Let your people see your faithfulness as they give today. God, we give you glory. God, we give you praise that today I am uprooted. Amen and amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.